The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello and welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today, we radiate oneness with Lynn Renoir, who is the author of God Interrogated, Reinterpreting the Divine. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for joining me today, Lynn. I appreciate it. Thank you, Christine. It's good to be here. Nice to have you here. So I was really interested in um, interviewing you for this book because it is reinterpreting the divine. Now, I understand you had kind of a unique background, uh, or maybe not that unique, but you had a certain background concerning God. Can you share what that was? Yes. Well, my father was a fundamentalist preacher, and he took every word of the Bible literally, particularly the words of Solomon, that he must not spare the rod in disciplining his child. So he took that very literally. And from the age of four until I left home at the age of 23, he would beat me with a rod. I am so sorry that happened. That is really tough to deal with. And um, did you ever have a conversation with him about this, that maybe it wasn't the best thing to do to a child? Oh, my father would not have tolerated that. He couldn't stand any challenge to his authority, whether it was the way he read the Bible or the way he disciplined his child. Everything had to be his way. Oh, my goodness. Well, along the way somewhere, you started questioning that. What happened? Well, I didn't question it until I was 50. And on... That particular occasion, when I was 50, I had an experience that changed my life. A a set of keys that I had just simply disappeared. And when I could find no reason for the disappearance of those keys, I had a kind of a breakdown 
All I could do for days was to walk round and round the house, trying to work out what had happened to my kids. In the end, I realised that I was in trouble. So I did something I would never have contemplated doing before. And that was I went to see a psychic. Now, he, he told me that I would never find my keys, and that turned out to be the case. But then he said, there's a woman on the other side who wants to talk to you. I'm given her first name as Edith, and her second name starts with a C or a K. And I said, would that be Edith Cavill, the famous English nurse? And he said, yes, that's the name I'm being given. Well, through the psychic, Edith described a pendant that I owned. And she said, when you get home, I want you to hold that pendant perfectly still. Ask me a question. If the answer is yes, it will swing horizontally. If the answer is no, it will swing vertically. Well, I am a sceptic by disposition. I thought there's no way this is going to work. So when I got home, I closed all the doors and windows so there'd be no breeze. And I held that pendant rigid. And I asked it a question. And I could hardly believe it when the thing actually moved. Now, when I realised that I was in contact with the other side, this made me question all the things I had ever been taught. I mean, as a fundamentalist Christian, you wouldn't dare contact someone who, who you believe was living on the other side. That'd be like witchcraft or something. But that was the start of the change in my life. My goodness. So what connection did you have with this Edith C? Edith Cavill? Well, I don't know. She was a being on the other side whom the universe had decided should interact with me. I mean, I didn't choose her. She chose me. So how did you know about her, who she was, what her name was? Oh, she, um, well, people who study English history will know the story of the First World War. Now, she was a nurse who was shot by the Germans at the end of the First World War because she had treated soldiers from either side. She treated them for their injuries. And she was regarded as, as a real heroine in England. Oh my goodness, and you knew about her then? Oh yes, I knew about her, yes, just from my history studies. That is so interesting. Um, so I'm sure you must have just thought it was, it was crazy that this could happen. Uh, did you tell anybody about it? Oh, I was terrified to tell anybody. I, if I'd told anybody, they would have thought I was losing it. They'd have sent me to a psychiatrist. <laughs> did you ever tell your parents or your family? No, I never told anybody other than very close friends. Oh, my goodness. Um, so that started you questioning things, apparently. Um, yes. Yeah, what else did you start questioning? Well, what happened was um, after Edith had been working with me for a while, she referred me to another guy. 
And guys thought, who on earth could this other guy be? And it turned out that it was Aristotle. Now, I thought, why would a famous Greek philosopher want to talk to a non-entity like me? So I was so worried about this that I went to another psychic. I didn't tell her anything about myself. And she said, I see a group of ancient Greek philosophers discussing your work. So I thought, well, I must be in contact with Aristotle. So one day I sat in the lounge with my pendulum and I said to the pendulum, Aristotle, am I speaking to you? Lo and behold, the pendulum swung horizontal. So I knew I was speaking to Aristotle. So he just he told me that when I had finished the master's degree in psychology that I was working on at the time, he said, I want you to apply to do a PhD in philosophy. And I said, Aristotle, you're wrong. I've never been to a philosophy lecture in my entire life. I won't even be accepted into a philosophy degree. And he said, you try. So I did. And I was accepted by the university in Tasmania. That was the only university in Australia that would have accepted me. So that was how I started doing my PhD in philosophy. Oh, my Goodness, I have to say that required a, an extreme amount of trust. Oh, it did. Yes, <laughs> I had to believe that Aristotle was right. Otherwise, I would never have had the courage to, to ring the professor and see. And I said to him, look, I'd like to do a PhD in philosophy. And he forgot to ask me what my <laughs> background in philosophy was. I mean, if I had told him, that I had never been to a philosophy lecture in my life. He'd have had to reject me like all the other universities in Australia did. But he forgot to ask me. So he said, oh, just send in your application. You'll be all right. So I sent it in and I was accepted. Oh, my goodness. It, 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 that just makes me think that somehow these group of Greek philosophers on the other side had some sort of strings that they could pull for you. Oh, I'm sure that was the case, yes. <laughs> Make him forget to ask that question. Yes. Oh, that was so important that he forgot. Oh, my goodness. And who would ever in a university forget to ask something such like, like your background? That's so interesting. Yeah, it's strange. <laughs> but you had decided before that to get your your master's in psychology. Why did you choose to pursue that path? Well, I was interested in the effect that it might have had on me of my father's cruelty. Mm -hmm. So I, I looked at Carl Jung. He was the person that I specialised in. And I realised that my father's treatment of me had been terribly damaging to my self-esteem. I was a very insecure person, would you believe? So that was why I started doing psychology. Mm -hmm. Yes, many people who go into psychology do it to figure themselves out or figure out a family member and to understand, um, have a greater understanding of themselves or the situation. 
Well, I can, I can see. Did you come to any healing around the father, your father's treatment of you? Yes, it, it was a gradual process. I mean, I knew I had to forgive him because, um, you know, that's what being a Christian is all about is, is forgiveness. I think it took me many, many years before I was really able to forgive my father. And did you have a conversation with him to forgive him? Oh, yes. I, I have had several conversations with him. He, he's over the other side at the moment. And um, he knows he did the wrong thing. And he feels terrible about what he did to me. And he also knows that I've forgiven him because I've told him that. Yeah. But I wasn't able to have that discussion with him while he was on earth because he would have thought he had absolutely nothing to be forgiven for. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely right. Because he believed that his way was the right way. Now, where, where was your mother in all of this? Oh, well, my mother was a dutiful, obedient Christian wife. Whatever my husband, whatever her husband said, that was the will of God for her. So she never even thought to question anything that he was doing to her. All right. So when you first started seeking out um, these psychics for consultation, did you start questioning God then, or how did that happen? No, I didn't, because I was I was so overwhelmed by what had happened with the first psychic that really God fell into the background at that stage. This was something real. Oh, my goodness. Um, so when did you really start questioning God in earnest? Well, then again, it was a gradual process. When I realized that I could have contact with beings on the other side, they seemed so real to me, whereas God had always seemed so far away. This was something I could really grab onto, these beings who were talking to me. And what they were telling me was so important. I mean, Aristotle gave me guidance when I was writing my PhD in philosophy, because he was one of the greatest philosophers that ever lived. So, you know, he was able to clarify what these various philosophers were saying. Oh my goodness, did you put him as a reference on your dissertation? <laughs> I don't think they would have passed me if I put that on. <laughs> You certainly couldn't have passed without him. <laughs> no way in the world. Not knowing anything about philosophy, I was totally dependent on him. My goodness. So from Aristotle to Carl Jung, that's quite a leap. How did you make that? Well, that it, was, it was actually Carl Jung that I studied for my master's degree. Oh. And then I did a PhD in philosophy. So Carl Jung was not connected with Aristotle in any way. Right. Because one's a psychologist, one's a philosopher. I mean, two different fields. Oh, very different. Yes. Um, interesting. So what is it about Carl Jung that that interested you? Because I do see his worldview as somewhat philosophical, too. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, he was a great thinker across the board. 
Um, I was interested in what he calls the collective unconscious. That is, all the thoughts that anybody has ever had, all these thoughts reside in this collective unconscious. And Jung feels that we somehow have a way of tapping in to that collective unconscious. He also talks about the personal unconscious, and he's very interested in helping us to retrieve what we have repressed into our personal unconscious. Mm, very interesting. Okay, so perhaps this is a very philosophical question, but this collective unconscious, how do you believe that relates to God? Oh, well, because I don't believe in a personal God, it doesn't really relate at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can you say more about this? Um, oh, yes. Well, I believe that everything in the universe is one. And my communication each day is to what I call the universe. So I say now, universe, do you want me to do this? Universe, do you want me to do that? And then I get answers from the universe. Now, if I were to ask God an answer, I wouldn't get an answer at all. It'd be just a blank. Mm -hmm. So what do you feel God is? Well, the only way I can describe God, well, I'll put it this way. I believe that the Old Testament has an accurate record of the way the Hebrew God related to his people. Now, they call that Hebrew God Yahweh. Now, I believe the Old Testament recorded what Yahweh said to his people. But whereas most believers believe that Yahweh is the creator of the universe, I believe that Yahweh is and was a very exalted being, but that he did not create the universe. I believe the universe is self-created. Oh, that is very interesting. That's an that's a that's a slightly different view than I had really thought of. Um, but that seems so plausible. Yeah, where did you where did you gain this this um, this view of God and creation? Uh, well, I was very I was very interested in quantum physics, and that shows that everything in the universe is one. Now, that was confirmed by the experience of mystics. Through their experience, they know that everything in the universe is one. Now, if these mystics had previously be, uh, believed in traditional Christian teaching that there is just one God, they would never have been able to allow themselves to have an experience where everything is one. It's only when they come out of that experience, sometimes they go back to their original belief that there is just one God, but sometimes they get very confused and they think, well, if everything in the universe is one, how can there just be one God? Mm -hmm. Interesting. So 
really what you're what you're saying is that God is um, more or less a construct that we've created. I mean, the idea of God, how religion does it. Would you, is that accurate? Uh, yes, except that because I believe that the Jewish people were talking to Yahweh, they had every reason to believe that this Yahweh was God, the creator of the universe. And then when Jesus came along, he believed that he had a oneness with Yahweh. So this is why Christians believe that Jesus was God in every sense of the word. But let's say that that is the case, that Jesus was God in every sense of the word. He was one with Yahweh. And my view is that Yahweh is not the creator of the universe. Interesting. So what do you feel Jesus's role is? Well, I believe that Jesus's role was to teach us about the bad parts of ourselves, what Christians call sin. And I believe that there have been millions of people who have trusted in Jesus for their salvation, and they have achieved wonderful liberation. See, in my book, I say it's not so much the facts that we have happen to believe, it's what is happening at the deepest level of our being. Now, Christians whose lives have been transformed through believing that Jesus is their saviour, whether or not that was historically the case, it doesn't really matter because at the deepest level of their being, they are connecting with the universe. They are becoming one with the universe and they do it by means of believing in Jesus' sacrificial death. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the people who really do connect with Jesus, I'm not one of them. I'm not a Christian, but I do admire Jesus's work. It's his words and his teachings. I think they're very important, but yeah, they, they um, may have missed the mark in terms of, yeah, he was not a creator being and that he was really teaching that all we're all connected and we're all one. Yes. Although Christians tend not to believe that. A lot of Christians, a lot of Christians think that they're still deep in sin and they they need to be forgiven all the time. Every Sunday they confess how evil they are and they ask God to forgive them. They really do believe that they are evil. Yes, absolutely. And they believe that he's somehow has saved them from something. Um, I've not quite figured it out <laughs> how it all works. I have to admit. Um, but it's, it's an interesting take and an interesting view, but it's, uh, it sounds like it was never intended to be that way. Well, I think it was intended to be that way. Because really? I think that there are millions of people who could only ever have found that deep-seated peace through believing that Jesus died for their sins. If they had tried anything else, it just wouldn't have worked. They had to believe in Jesus. Oh, I see. Interesting. 
Now, um, what about religions such as Hinduism or some of the pantheistic um, type of religions where there are multiple gods? Where do you think that fits in? Well, I'm interested in pantheism because pantheism is the view that God and the universe are one. Now, that is quite different from some of these Eastern religions that, like Hinduism, for example, that believes in a whole lot of gods. But Buddhism, Buddhism doesn't have any god at all. Right. In fact, Buddhism is really something like pantheism, believing that everything is one. And this is why Buddhists are so good at meditation, because they just let themselves become one with everything, like mystics in various traditions. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a coworker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community, the Radiate Wellness Community, on Facebook for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate U, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. There you'll find curated replays of past classes, guest interviews, and more. And now, Back to our podcast and back to our guest. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Very interesting. So um, why did you decide to write this book? Now, I've written two books. One is called God Interrogated, Reinterpreting the Divine. Which is what we're talking about today. Oh, are we? Sorry. I've written, I've also written my memoir memoir which is called Leading Faith Finding Meaning but the God interrogated book I wanted to look at the question of God from a whole lot of different angles the book is in three sections 
God and philosophy, God and science, God and belief. Now, in the first section, I look at the way all the, a lot of the philosophers in the Western tradition have looked at the concept of God. Now, each one of them has a very different view as to what God is. So if you look at the way philosophers have examined the question of God, you become very confused because no two of them agree on what God is. So then the second section, God in Science, and this is where I look at quantum theory and the fact that everything in the universe is one. Also in that section, I argue that the universe as a whole is conscious. I believe that consciousness started everything. If you can talk about a start, I mean, I don't believe that the universe had a beginning, but if you can talk about a start, it started with consciousness and that from consciousness, matter evolves. So that's what I got from the second section book. The third section book, God and Belief, I looked at the way people from various religions have been able to find this oneness with the universe. And that was made, that was what made me come to the conclusion that there's no one particular way of achieving that deep-seated peace that people from all religions have been able to experience that oneness with the universe. But that made me realise that it's not the set of facts or propositions that you happen to believe in. It's what's happening at that deepest level of your being. Mm. Yes, I, I love that and appreciate it very much. Um, and it is, I believe that it is the personal connection with it that is what's most interesting. Um, yeah, in fact, in, in God Interrogated, you conclude that truth is found in the inner dimensions of a person's being. It is not something that can be imposed from an external source. So was there any epiphany during your years of research that dramatically shifted you toward that perception? Oh, look, it was just a very, very gradual realisation that mm. what I had been taught to believe from my childhood was wrong. Now, it was wrong for me, but it's, as I said before, it's been right for millions of other people, but it was just not the path for me. So I had to try to find my own path, and that meant studying psychology, studying philosophy, studying quantum theory, studying as many things as I could find until I finally came to the conclusion, Christianity, Lynn, is not the path for you. But your participation in the oneness of all reality, that is the path for you. Mm, absolutely. Now, um... In some of the materials from your publicists that they said that something had happened around the age of 50 for you. That was when I lost the keys and went to the psychic. Oh, it is. Oh, for some reason, I had that as when you were a much younger person. So you went along for quite a while. Oh, I was a pillar of the church. I was organist and choir director. I, you know, everything in the church that could be done, I did it. Wow. So you really came to this 
much later, later in life. Yes, very much later. So what did you do before all of that, besides being well, a pillar of the church? Well, I tried to be a good Christian. I mean, I prayed every day. I read the Bible every day. I mean, it didn't make any difference to me, but I thought that was the thing a Christian had to do. So I did it. Oh, my goodness. Did you have a professional background at the same time? Um, well, I worked in an office for many years, but most of my spare time was on music. I did a diploma in piano teaching, then a diploma in organ performance. So um, most of my time was spent doing music when I wasn't typing things in an office. Mm, okay, yes. So pretty much devoted nearly full-time to the church and to music of the church. Yes, I was, yes. How did your life, your relationships, your approach change as you started this gradual unfolding? Well, I felt a lot happier in myself because up until then, Christy, I had felt a complete failure as a believer. Because in the New Testament, it says that if you are a believer, you will have all these wonderful qualities that St. Paul lists as fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. Like, I had none of those. And I thought, well, if I don't have any fruits of the Spirit, what sort of Christian am I? But later on, I thought, well, now, the fruits of the Spirit, they're for people who believe in Jesus, but they don't have anything to do with me. So I stopped worrying about the fact that I didn't have any fruits of the Spirit. And I thought, well, maybe I've got some other fruits that are not listed in the New Testament. Maybe having an intelligent mind might be one. <laughs> and how did that uh, change in your relationships? I mean, could you tell people what you were going through? No, not really. I mean, I was married for 35 years, but I didn't tell my, well, my husband and I belonged to the church. And then when I left the church, he left with me. But I never discussed with him why I hadn't. Could you tell your sisters or your parents about these things that you were graduating toward? Well, I couldn't tell my parents because they would have thought that I was on my way to hell so and I couldn't tell my sisters they'd have been a bit worried about it too mm -hmm. so did your sisters ever come to this knowledge as well um one of them did yes mm -hmm. but not the other two one of them is still a fundamentalist Christian and the other one I'm not quite sure what she thinks <laughs> but they've not tried to convince you that you're going to hell? Um, my fundamentalist Christian sister, because she doesn't know what happened to me, she still thinks I'm a fundamentalist. Oh, really? Mm. You really keep that, keep this well hidden, keep it under well, wraps. I don't want her to think I'm on my way to hell. I've got too much respect for her to, to wish that on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Interesting. You know, I tell my clients and the people I work with that, you know, every path is valid, whether we believe, whether we don't believe, whether we believe this, believe that it's all valid. We came here to experience that. And even having a um, fairly closed mind to, you know, all of the truths of the universe, that's a valid path too. Sometimes we have to come and forget all of it so we can learn a different way. Oh, that's certainly true, yes. Oh, my goodness. And I'm sure your parents never had an inkling as to what was going on with you. Oh, no, not at all. And I would never have told them. I mean, I I had too much respect for them to to think they had to spend the rest of their lives praying for their wayward daughter. I didn't want to put that on them. And so your husband, did you ever have this conversation with what you were discovering, what you were learning and what you were feeling? No, he wasn't the sort of person who would have been really able to understand it. He was a very simple sort of person, a very loving and very kind person, but not an intellectual. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's kind of a lonely path from what it sounds. Well, if I hadn't had my spirit guides with me all the time, it would have been very lonely. I talk to my spirit guides every day. Yeah, that's a very good point. So um, you've you've written these two books. The one is God Interrogated and the other one being memoirs, of course. So in the academic community, in the spiritual community, do you feel like you have connections there? Well, I've never found anybody who believed what I believe. I mean, there probably are people out there who do, but I just haven't met them. Okay. So you're kind of closeted in a way. Yes. Well, I'm an introvert, so it makes it easy. (laughs) It does. So do you go to any type of spiritual gatherings at all? No. Yeah. So this book, um, God Interrogated, um, is in addition to um, this book that you've written, which is your memoirs about your upbringing and journey. So what was the impetus behind creating that book? Well, it was a burden that I had to get off. I, I just sat down one day and I thought, I've got to write about my upbringing. It was just so bad. And I wanted other parents to know that if they wanted to build their children the way my father built of me, it would have a terrible effect on their children. It does. It has a terrible effect on people. You know, I see I'm a hypnotist, I'm a, uh, a medium as well, and a Reiki master, and I see people coming in all the time with religious trauma. And, you know, we here in the Midwest of the United States, um, we call that the Bible Belt, that there's very staunch fundamentalism in this part of the country. And um, I see so many people who come in with that type of trauma and it's it can cause create it can create real damage for people. So if somebody is um, finding that they've had this religious trauma, um, that their ways are not working for them anymore, how they were brought up. How could they go about getting out of it and coming to a different understanding? 
Oh, that's a difficult one because it's going to be different for each person. Um, as you said a moment ago, each of us has our own path to tread. And it will depend on what circumstances come into their lives, who they meet, whether a book is given to them. I mean, it, it could happen in any one of a thousand years. Right. But for you, it came from losing your keys. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard of something called Jot, just one of those things? Jot? What's Jot? Oh. J-O-T-T. -T. It was a book. And I I don't remember who wrote it, but it was just one of those things where think, something would disappear. Years later, it shows up in a very random place or it disappears forever or things happen where an item will show up that should be not be there at all. For example, something from a different century that might show up somewhere. Um, it's just this phenomenon called just one of those things about how perhaps uh, wormholes um, open up and um, have, you know, present things in a, in a new and different place. For example, um, keys will show up. Yours never showed up, but sometimes they'll show up, for example, in somebody else's lunchbox at work. And you're like, that does not make any sense at all. And I've heard of things just showing up, perhaps showing up much later on on their pillow at home when they comb through the whole house. So mm -hmm. this phenomenon called just one of those things. Let me see if I can find something on it um, that this is happens a lot more than you would think. Well, it's it's happened to me recently. Oh, has it? Yes, several times. Things have disappeared and then reappeared in another place. Oh, wow. Oh, that's very interesting. Yes, J-O-T-T, -T, just one of those things. When things disappear and come back or relocate and why it really happens by Mary Rose Barrington. So, um, yeah, just so you lost something that had reappeared someplace completely different. Yes, whatever. Be just simple things like um, right. I, had I had a bottle of nail polish, and it just completely disappeared. And a couple of days later, it turned up in a most unusual place. Where did it turn up? <clears throat> well, it turned up in my cupboard, but I'd looked through the cupboard, and it definitely wasn't there. Right. I had um, a magnetic timer that I put on my refrigerator, you know, for timing the oven and whatnot, magnetic timer, and it went missing. And I looked all over the whole house, everywhere I could imagine, all the cupboards, all the drawers, everything, everywhere. Months later, I opened the refrigerator and it was sitting in front of the food in the refrigerator, right in the middle at eye level. It's that type of thing. So, um, yeah, what do you think the role of your keys going missing was for you? Oh, well, for me, it would it changed my whole life completely. I mean, if it hadn't been for those keys, I would still have been a fundamentalist Christian. Oh. Really? You think you would not have found your way to this? Well, unless the universe had some different route for me to take, 
I don't know what else they could have done. <laughs> well, if your keys ever show up, Lynn, you'll have to let me know. Right, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Christy, you'll never believe what I just found. My keys. Right. <laughs> I can't wait to get the email from you. Um, so you've got a website and that is uh, lynnrenoir.com. That's right. What else can be found on that website? Well, I've written three things. One is God Interrogated. The other is my memoir, Leaving Faith, Finding Meaning. And the other is based on the things that I did for my master's degree, which was on the abuse of men by their female partner. <clears throat> the abuse of men an inquiry into the adult male experience of heterosexual abuse that's right yes okay and that was your master's master's thesis yes wonderful and i see you've also got a blog and um you know interesting about section etc and media um so lynn wenoir your last name is like the artist R-E-N-O-I-I-O-I-R, Lynn Renoir, Lynn with an E. So I'll put the link in the show notes so that our listeners can find you online and, and order your books. Uh, do you think there's anything that we have not gone over that you think is important for our listeners to know about this book, God Interrogated? Well, I can't think of anything, but I'm sure you can think of something. <laughs> Well, if I can think of something, then I will bring you back, definitely, because I think this topic is fascinating. Just the idea of um, of questioning. I Well, I something that I would like to maybe discuss with you briefly is there's a lot of people questioning God all of a sudden. Why do you think that is? I'm not really sure. Not everybody did not lose their keys all at the same time, but there are a lot of people who now are questioning God and, and turning away from organized religion, religion. Are you seeing the same thing there in Australia? Oh yes, definitely. Um, people are a bit fed up with the churches, particularly with that sexual abuse going on. Oh my goodness. <coughs> Did you have sexual abuse in the U.S.? In the U in the U.S.? Yeah. Oh yes, it was mostly Catholic priests. Yeah. But in other churches as well. Oh yes, it's rampant. It's it's been terrible, but luckily there's more awareness of it now, yeah. and people are coming forward to heal from that sexual abuse. I've mm -hmm. seen many clients in my office who have had that, boys, but also girls. And it's just shameful because God was, God would never intend that you, the universe source, Jesus, whoever you want to talk to would never intend that. Um, except perhaps as a lesson that we, we choose or an experience that we choose to experience, but in order to heal from it, but no, this is uh, it's an abomination in my estimation. Um, but there's a, a lot of people turning toward a more open type of spirituality and turning away from the organized religion. Um, mm. I don't know. I, I feel in some ways that COVID had something to do with that when we turned inside, when we went inside and um, weren't going to church. 
In fact, there's a, a term for it, a, a COVID awakening. So, right, right, absolutely. So the book again is God Interrogated, Reinterpreting the Divine by Lynn Renoir from sunny Australia. And where can we find the book? Well, you can get it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, sorry, God Interrogated. Now, that is coming out at the end of March. It's been... Oh. It's being produced by John Hunt Publishing in England. <coughs> yes, John Hunt Publishing, my dear friends, over on the other side of the pond. So God Interrogated is coming out the end of March. By the time this episode goes live, it'll be um, around the end of April. So the book will be available oh, wherever yes. fine books are sold, as they say. Well, thank you, Lynn, for joining me today all the way from Australia. I love hearing the Australian accent. It has been a joy talking with you today about one of my favorite topics, which is God or source or the universe. Thank you very much, Christy. It's been great to be here. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.